The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. I am Josh Dunn and I'm joined by Anshu Khanna and we are two very happy south side of Chicago sports fans right now as we just watched... The first round of the Chicago Crosstown Classic as the Sox upended the Cubs 3-1 to in a pitching duel between Cole Hamels and, of all people, Yvonne Nova. But Anshu, <laughs> I'm sure you're in as good a mood as I am. I know we've been texting back and forth nonstop during this game, so it's not like we haven't Pretty. talked in a while. But how are you, my friend? Well, we haven't talked about it directly. I'm doing very well. Uh, I echo your sentiments. It's awesome. I mean, obviously... Ivan Nova getting a win doesn't matter much long term, but you know having Eloy Jimenez hit the game winner in the top of the ninth, um, you know that's about as electric a moment out of this White Sox team as we've seen in years. I, I'm Mankata had a walk off last year, or you know a couple of huge games that were obviously really exciting. He's had some this year. Timmy Anderson's had some this year, but tough to beat Eloy Jimenez on the side to draw within a game of 500 this far into the season. Yeah, not only is it Eloy and he's playing, you know, getting his first professional opportunity at Wrigley, which is the team that traded him to the White Sox, but also he had an opportunity in the first inning with the bases loaded where he grounded into a double play to end the inning. Uh, it looked like this was going to be, you know, your typical Sox game where they just had so many missed opportunities. Uh, and really they did throughout this game. They had the interference call on Jose Abreu, which took a run off the board essentially as Tim Anderson was stealing second. And then they had kind of a miscommunication in the outfield, which Eloy was a part of. It was Eloy, Tim Anderson, and Leary Garcia. Nobody could figure out who was going for it. Chris Bryant gets on, uh, but they get lucky. And, and Anthony Rizzo then grounds into a double play to give this opportunity to Eloy Jimenez. So quite quite a, a turn of events in this this game and you know you gotta love it like you said seeing Eloy get that that next opportunity in the ninth inning uh, and put that over the fence while also breaking his bat I mean just a perfectly poetic experience for for Eloy to come back to the team that traded him away and be able to have a game winner in the first of four games between these two teams this year for sure and he was super emotional after the game uh, you know it's been a rough year for him I, or definitely a roller coaster year you know he obviously signs the big deal and then opens up and was a little bit cold to start the year but he has come on incredibly strong he now has 12 home runs almost all of them coming on the road um, you know this guy has been as good as advertised already which is crazy to me um, you know and you just wonder you know I know this is kind of a biased opener from us but what this White Sox team could be in the very near future is extremely exciting. I mean, I don't have much hope about this year, but you know, when you've got Lucas Giolito anchoring this rotation and now a lineup that you can basically pen in Mancada, Anderson and Eloy Jimenez into, um, and you just kind of let the other chips fall as they may. I think that's a really, really quality start to what should be an exciting couple of years on the South side. 
Yeah, definitely a little biased to start the show, but people know this is a Chicago sports podcast, and we talk a little bit of Chicago sports on it, but obviously we talk the national level as well, and there were a couple national stories that uh, kind of broke today as far as Chicago goes, and interestingly enough, Pedro Strope was the guy who blew that uh, opportunity against Eloy Jimenez, gives up the two-run homer. He's been very inconsistent as the closer of the Cubs this year, and they go out and get Craig Kimbrell, who actually played his first action, official action, he's been throwing some bullpen sessions, but throws his first action in AAA today, goes 1-2-3 in the seventh inning. Uh, so Kimbrell is probably just a week or so away from the call-up to uh, to being the closer for the Cubs. Anshu, how much do they need it at this point? Obviously, Strope not been great. I think I saw his ERA at 4.46 before blowing this game here against the White Sox. Uh, how badly do they need that, that true closer, a guy who's proven uh, – m- multiple-time All-Star, and somebody who's played in World Series as well. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely need it, Uh, not just because of today, but just, you know, if you have to pick a piece of this team that's kind of lacking, you know, I think that because of Cole Hamill's success, particularly at Wrigley, um, you know, you can basically pen him into the rotation and and be okay with him and Lester, and Darvish has kind of come around a little bit in that rotation. Obviously, if Kendricks gets healthy, you got him and, and uh, you know, a couple other pieces, Quintana, of course. So when you look at everything else, though, that pen, I think, is, um, you know, it could potentially be their big Achilles heel. We know the incredible weight that's placed on bullpens in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, having Craig Kimbrell there at the end of the game or at whatever time of the game the highest leverage outs are uh, is going to be a massive, you know, bullet in uh joe madden's gun like i mean i think that that's going to be a massive piece now red sox fans would have you believe that he is not the same pitcher he was years ago but um you know that being said if nothing else it, it creates a trickle down effect where now stroke doesn't have to have the highest leverage jobs he can have the second highest leverage jobs and then you know if cj edwards can figure it out he can have the third highest leverage jobs and that matters over a seven game series so um, you know, for the Cubs, getting a guy like Kimbrel is super important, and I think that they are not done as far as adding bullpen arms. I just think that they still have issues. Yeah, and one of the names that's been thrown out there as a potential bullpen arm is a guy who may get his opportunity to start for the first time, uh, and that's Adbert Olsalai. He's a, He's been pitching at the AAA level, and in his last five games, he's got a 1.93 ERA and a 40-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. I mean, this is a guy who the Cubs have been, you know, obviously had their eye on as somebody that they look to join the rotation at some point, but with the Hendricks injury, it looks like he might get a shot this week to start. What are your thoughts on Olsalai? Yeah, I mean, he's been amazing this year. Triple A's averaging almost through 13 strikeouts per nine innings, which is just crazy, and under two walks per nine. So, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago on Fantasy Hour about some of those, you know, by low types. I mean, Alzelay has really ascended this year. He's almost double in terms of strikeouts what he was last year, the last few years. So pretty exciting for the Cubs and uh, expecting to see him against Cincinnati this weekend. Yeah, it looks like that could be the case. And lastly, the one last thing we wanted to talk about as far as news coming from Chicago baseball, that's the White Sox. They're planning to extend the netting all the way to the foul poles, in, uh, I guess in reaction to a fan ending up in the hospital being hit, hit by a foul ball. Uh, luckily, she was okay after spending some time in the hospital. But do you think that this is a trend that will probably catch on with the rest of the league as well? No question. Um, kudos to the White Sox for being the first team to do it, but – uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Got to protect the fans, keep them coming to the games, and uh, 
you know, it doesn't really impact your view much. If you've ever sat behind one, humble brag, I mean, it's not a real <laughs> big difference in terms of the view. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised teams didn't immediately do it in reaction, especially the Cubs, considering it was, you know, the Elmora thing that happened. But, you know, they'll definitely be on board, as, as will, I'm guessing, every single team in baseball very soon. All right. We've had a little bit of a homer session here. We're excited. We've got the White Sox tomorrow, Lucas Giolito and John Lester. Uh, that game might be underway by the time you guys are listening to it or even over if you're listening this weekend, but uh, it should be exciting. The second of two uh, tomorrow as we're recording here on uh Tuesday night. So let's talk a little bit of NBA. So since the last time we recorded, we obviously were going into uh, the, the what ended up being the clincher for the Toronto Raptors. They end up knocking off the Golden State Warriors. Clay Thompson goes down in this one. He ends up ending up with a torn ACL. Looks like he'll miss a lot of time next season. Might be February or March before he's back on the court. We already know that Kevin Durant tore his Achilles tendon. He'll probably miss all of next season. And now the free agency market is getting very, very interesting. Kawhi Leonard, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk with the parade and, you know, what he's been able to do for Toronto. But it sounds like it's going to come down to Toronto and the L.A. Clippers. So I want you first your reaction to Toronto winning their first NBA championship. And then what does this mean for Kawhi's chances of staying there? Um, interesting. I mean, I... I... I guess my reaction to the championship is it could change the way we see teams tank. Like, I think the goal of the NBA of Adam Silver was to, you know, balance the lottery odds to change the way teams went after championships because they just felt like there were no, you know, teams feel like they're in NBA hell, they're mired in NBA hell, there's no outs. I think the Raptors set a precedent that has to be at least interesting to teams that are kind of hanging on the fringe, right? Like the I'm not saying the Bulls, but teams like the Celtics, for example, going into next year, probably not feeling super great about their chances of winning the championship. But you look at this Raptors team and what it took. Yeah, it took some lucky bounces. You talked last week and multiple times about the fact that, you know, it took Kawhi Leonard bouncing that ridiculous three against the Sixers in in game seven to get here. And there were countless other plays, maybe not count less, but certain, certainly a few plays over the course of the playoffs that got them to that point. But the reality is, the Raptors aren't that much better than everyone else. And I think that it helps set, you know, a certain dynamic and with Clay Thompson's injury with Kevin Durant's injury, I think it opens things up a ton. And, um, you know, especially next year, I would guess tanking is not going to be a real issue for a lot of teams next year, at least not halfway through. And I think that has a potential to create one of the best NBA regular seasons we've seen in a long time where teams are jockeying for position, trying to get that one seed or two seed and trying to get, you know, their magical Raptors-esque run. That's my takeaway of these playoffs, aside from the injuries that are clearly going to shape the next two years of this NBA season. So that's a perfect segue into some of the rumors that are out there in, in this free agency, which will start on June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, mm-hmm. a lot of guys being talked about as potentially on the move away from their former teams. One of those guys has been Kevin Durant. Obviously, he tears the Achilles. That does change things. But if you're a team like the New York Knicks, I've got to assume that you're willing to make a max offer deal to Kevin Durant. Kyrie's still out there. It's sounding more and more like he could end up in Brooklyn. And now today reports coming out saying that Al Horford is unlikely to sign in Boston as well. So let me start Crazy. there with Boston. A huge fall from grace if they lose Kyrie and Al Horford, especially coming off of last year and being such a disappointment, having some of the injuries that they faced. They have a great young core, but does this kind of close the door on the window for Boston after making all of the big trades that they made to kind of put themselves in a position to win? It, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a huge loss for them. Not only those two, but also 
they were angling for Anthony Davis this whole time. Like their plan was to trade for Kyrie, lock him down, lock in, you know, Anthony Davis, and then build around, you know, basically I think what they had hoped was Gordon Hayward at full health and, you know, and obviously Kyrie and Anthony Davis. So the fact is that, that they, that's not where they're at. They now, after all that have just Jason Tatum to speak for. And like, you know, they, the trades, all those trades, the trade down from, you know, Markel Fultz, which everyone said was great. Yeah, you get Tatum. Tatum didn't exactly have like a gangbuster season last year. I, I still like him. I still think he'll be their best player, but um, moving forward. But man, and now you lose Horford, who I think everyone sort of thinks was the rock of that team. I mean, maybe he does stay, but the fact is they're going to have to pay him a lot. And this is an old guy. I mean, think of how old we think of. Joakim Noah is being and Al Horford's one year younger than the same college team. Right. And so, I, I mean, I think all of that combined is a real bad situation for the, for the Celtics. And I look at them going forward. I don't even think of them really as a team, despite what I just said, that has a chance at winning the East next year. I mean, I really don't see how that happens. And now they had all those great Kings picks and Brooklyn picks and look at where they're at. They're, they have three mid-first-round picks this year to show for it. That is just not going to get it done unless they, you know, they get super lucky and draft, you know, Giannis or Siakam or someone like that. Yeah, Horford's 33. Uh, he was seeking a three-year deal from Boston. It sounds like they were very far apart on a deal, and he basically just left the, the talks and said, I'm going to go look for a four-year deal elsewhere. There's a That's lot of speculation wild. that the Lakers could potentially be in the running for somebody like Horford, and that's obviously oh. probably if they cannot – free up enough cap space to, to, to look at a potential max roster spot, which is what they're trying to do right now in, you know, a reaction to that Anthony Davis trade. They've got about 23 million in cap space right now. They're looking to offload uh, some contracts to try to free up enough space to be able to offer a max contract to another guy like a Jimmy Butler or some of the guys that are out there. So it's going to be interesting. We've got the draft here this week on Thursday. I think there could be some serious moves that impact not only what happens with the draft, but what happens with free agency as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Been a lot of talks of uh, the Pelicans looking to offload that number four pick, especially after the Knicks basically rejected uh, the Atlanta Hawks offer to move up to the number three pick. So now it sounds like Atlanta trying to position themselves to make a move into that number four slot. So a lot of moving pieces in this NBA draft. And if, if you want to hear more draft, we're going to talk very draft heavy on the underdog sports fantasy hour which will be me and Anshu as well so we're going to save that for the fantasy hour uh but Anshu just just talk kind of high level about how impactful some of these moves that could be made in the next couple days could be on the draft totally agree with you I mean the the stuff with the Knicks and Pelicans we'll dive into a little bit on fantasy hour but I I mean that obviously is going to be a huge piece to this whole puzzle what the Knicks do specifically is going to be fascinating because you kind of alluded to the Kevin Durant thing. I, I'm just not sure what's going to happen there. I kind of feel like Durant is going to take one year with the Warriors and just take their money, basically rehab there, feel like, you know, they owe him and then see what the NBA landscape is like next year. Like what, what does he have to lose? He got 31 and a half million coming his way. If he picks up his option and then, you know, he goes in the next year and is able to max out with somebody else. And, you know, who knows, maybe he gets back early enough to make another title run. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like that Knicks pick is kind of hand in hand with Durant because, you know, there's rumors now that they might get Darius Garland and, you know, part of getting RJ Barrett, I think, I don't know. I think either of them could play with Durant, but to me, getting Barrett, 
um, you know, is basically like, all right, if we're trading for Barrett here, that means, or we're drafting Barrett, that basically means Durant, this is like a tryout for a year. Cause if he sucks, if he's really bad, um, or if he's as erratic as he was at Duke, it could be a, pro- you know, it could be a hurdle to them potentially signing Durant. So every move they make is like a tryout for KD, which I think is fascinating. That's why this draft, um, you know, especially in the top 10 is going to be, have major implications, I think on free agency with those guys you talked about. Yeah, one of the other pieces here in free agency that's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out is Kemba Walker. Obviously, the Lakers are very interested in Kemba. He's a guy who has said time and time again that he wants to stay in Charlotte and be a career Hornet. Uh, Obviously, they haven't really done a lot to put pieces around Kemba. You have to assume Kemba Kemba came out and said he'd be willing to take less than the Supermax that that he could get, and that's a five-year, $221 million offer. He said he'd be willing to take a hometown discount to stay in Charlotte, but you'd have to assume if Charlotte's going to be able to retain Kemba that they would have to make some kind of a move to put talent around him. I've even heard Kevin Love's name thrown out there in a potential deal. Is there there something you can see Charlotte doing that could potentially make Kemba, uh, you know, more attracted to staying home? I, I would have to assume that they would they would feel like they would need to put pieces around him to keep him home for sure um i don't know what those moves are um you know like you you look at where you know the draft stacks up for the hornets and you know kind of where they're at i mean they're kind of mired in nba hell so it's hard for me you know number 12 pick in this draft i don't know that someone super talented is going to fall to the point that they you know that that's like a real asset they can use in a trade um, I'm honestly surprised that Kemba feels like he w- needs to say that. I, I give him a lot of respect for it. Um, but, you know, I, I just that that feels like a dead end to me, despite what we were just talking about with the Raptors. Um, you know, I just that would really surprise me if that's the uh, the direction that they went, that they're able to add anything significant. Because I think of the names that would be out there, you know, the Bradley Beals. Uh, you know, other than Kemba, there's just not really any assets there. They have the number 12 pick this year, maybe an unprotected pick next year. I don't think that's enough to get Beal. And then who else really moves the needle if you're Charlotte? Maybe they make a run at D'Angelo Russell, but I don't love that fit either, Kemba and D'Angelo, right? So I, I don't know. I'm not sure how that works out for them, but I give him, you know, plenty of respect for the fact that he wants to stay at the same team. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get it. it's definitely interesting to see if he does opt to not stay there because you've got a lot of teams that are going to be interested and obviously the New York Knicks would love to have Kemba we talked about the Lakers uh, the Dallas Mavericks have been have been talked about as a team that could potentially make a run but you know if he if he's that adamant about staying in Charlotte uh, you've got to you've got to respect it like you said I mean he's he's a guy who is basically the king of that town when it comes to the, them from a basketball standpoint he's he's been an all-star time and time again he's put up ridiculous numbers uh, and he's a guy that I've I've always wanted to see end up on the Cavs especially when they were making their title runs but you know as a basketball purist I, I respect Kemba wanting to stay in Charlotte a couple other sure. quick pieces of news by the way, I think I think he would be my number one guy for the Bulls if there was some dream scenario where they could actually get someone. I'd rather have him than Kyrie. Like I think he would be oh, such absolutely. a great fit on their team. Yeah, I, just, I could see that too. I, I mean, I've heard speaking of your Bulls, I've heard uh, a lot of talk about Zach Levine potentially trying to be moved as well as Chris Dunn, uh, either during mm-hmm. this draft or or in a deal you know to follow it. So those are a couple pieces that I, you know, they've there've been a lot of rumors, uh, and, we're, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about, but. Uh, those are two that I've I've heard coming from your guys' end. So, any thoughts on mm-hmm. on moving either of those two guys or both? I mean, Chris Dunn's value, unfortunately, right now is probably pretty low, lower than his actual talent level, which I think he still has talent. Um, you know, like he's he's a really good defensive player. I just think he's more like 
you know, either the fifth best, like a starter, like your worst starter or like a, a really solid off the bench type. I think that he could, he could develop too, but what he is for the bulls right now, it's just not really like a good situation for him. So if they can somehow package seven and him to get up to get Barrett or Garland or something, I think I would do that, but I, I don't see them doing it. Um, but yeah, I, and Zach Levine, I, I would be careful about trading Zach Levine like straight up for number four. That's a rumor out there. I mean, isn't the best case scenario for, for RJ Barrett, like that he turns into Zach Levine kind of like a, like a, he could be better obviously, but Zach Levine was a pretty damn good, has been a damn good score, good shooter, you know, not quite the defender probably that Barrett is or the initiator, but he's been a volume scorer, which I think is, we found is a valuable asset to have in the NBA. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I've heard a lot of uh, R.J. Barrett, DeMar DeRozan comparisons. I think that Mm. there's a wide range of what he can turn out to be in the NBA. But, uh, you know, I think he's definitely uh, one of the guys that that could turn out to be a superstar in this league. And it's going to be interesting to see how these Duke guys play out with Cam Reddish and Zion and and R.J. Barrett because they haven't had that that opportunity to kind of be the guy and obviously Zion was the guy and everybody talked about him and he had the athleticism and everything else Uh, but RJ Barrett I mean if he goes anywhere else in the country he probably is that that type of a player and you know Cam Reddish you could argue the same thing for so it'll be interesting to see them in in a different situation in the NBA and and kind of being able to make a name for themselves a couple other pieces of quick news Uh, the Heat look like they're gonna have uh, Goran Dragic exercise his option uh, for next season, and then Hassan Whiteside sounds like he's going to stay in in Miami as well. Uh, I don't know that they're necessarily a, f- a free agent destination right now, but just keeping the talent that they have on hand, I think, is very important. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who was traded to Memphis uh, late in the season for Marcus Saul as a part of that deal, is going to decline his option and, and test the free agent market, as well as Harrison Barnes, who was a part of the early Golden State runs. He ends up in uh, Sacramento this year. Sounds like he wants to see his market, and he was due to make some big money, twenty million plus this year. Year. So uh, any names, obviously Jimmy Butler's one that's been talked about. Any names that, that we haven't ch- uh, talked about uh, that, that, that are kind of uh, out there that you think could make a big impact on a contender next season? Well, I think a big elephant in the room from today is Chris Paul. Uh, the fact that I know he's not a free agent, but there is a lot of you know social media back and forth between him and Harden and what might, you know, what may or may not have transpired between them, the possibility that Harden demanded that Paul get traded, that they can't play together. Um, I, I mean, I always thought that was kind of a curious fit, but Paul at least was more of a pass first guard. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to imagine where he might go. I think that he ignoring the enormous albatross salary he has would make a ton of sense with LA with, with the Lakers. I mean, um, but given his contract, I just don't see don't see a fit for him. I mean, I just don't get it. Like unless they somehow package Capella and you know future first rounders, of which they don't have many because of the Clippers deal to get him in the first place. Uh, I just don't really understand what the end game is there. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Capella was. It sounded like uh, there were some talks between Boston and Houston as far as uh, Capella being involved in a deal. Obviously. You know, there's been some speculation that Chris Paul could end up in in L.A. with the Lakers at some point, but I, you're right. I don't know. I mean, he's he's definitely got one of the worst contracts in the NBA right now. Uh, there's some obvious on court, you know, issues with with his game and James Harden's game, which we've talked about quite a bit on this show. 
uh, and meshing well. I, I just – I don't know. I don't know where Chris Paul fits at this point in his career. He's still a great player. He's still one of the best distributors, one of the better defenders at the point guard position. But he's aging. He's an appreciating asset, and he's getting paid a lot more money than he's probably worth at this point in his career. So you're right. I don't I don't know – You know, if it's, I, I think some of these reports are probably overblown to an extent, and they've all been you know, shot down. But I, there's got to be some truth to it. Otherwise, otherwise, why would anybody be reporting it, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's true. I, I definitely think there's something to it. And I, I I just think that it's one of those, like, you're screwed. You know, you put you put all your eggs into this basket if you're Daryl Morey. And I know that he kind of prides himself on leaving himself out. But, man, I don't see the out here. I, I don't see the out where they don't somehow have to package Capella up or, or – I mean, not Harden, obviously, but literally anything else they have. And I just don't know what they have that teams are looking to, you know, take off of their books, and especially with Chris Paul. So they, to me, I think that the Rockets are a team that, you know, they're really screwed right now. I'm just not sure how they get out of this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I will say this, though. It, it's starting to feel like August already as far as the NBA offseason is concerned. And I think that, you know, we kind of expected this with all the free agents that that were going to be available this offseason and some of the big shifts that were going to be as far as the changing of the guard. But one of the things we didn't expect was the Warriors to have this fall from grace and the injuries that they suffered in the NBA Finals. And, you know, things have, have really turned. If Kawhi ends up on the Clippers, you're going to have the Lakers with – LeBron and AD and potentially a third max contract guy or at least some some big time role players you could potentially have Kawhi joining the Clippers and the Clippers kind of overachieved this year after making some trades like the Tobias Harris trade who was also a free agent this offseason to go along with Jimmy Butler so Philadelphia has got to make some moves this offseason as well to mm-hmm. stay relevant but it's going to be fun we've got the draft on Thursday we've got free agency just around the corner uh, there's going to be a lot that's going to be figured out here in the next I would say 30 days or so so uh, a fun time to be an NBA fan because I, I think that that dynasty that we've been watching obviously Cleveland's fell apart after LeBron left uh, and I'm not saying the Warriors aren't still going to be relevant uh, but the fact that they're going to be missing KD even if he resigns and play for most of the year I mean that's it's going to be difficult for that team to even you know stay top five make the playoffs next year if they only have Steph because if the defense shifts all Steph's way like we saw against Toronto they're they're a much more beatable team for sure. For sure. I, I mean, over the course of a season, I, we've said it over and over again, but Steph's feet are going to be a problem for him going forward. And I just, like, of all the guys that could have gotten hurt, I mean, obviously, I guess you take Steph off and they're really screwed with Clay and Draymond, but losing Clay is a massive deal for them. Like, it's, I, I just, they're just having Draymond and Steph, I, I, I could see them falling to, like, the seven or eight seed. I do think. Clay will be back late next season, but that's, you know, that's no guarantee that he's going to be anywhere near the player he was, especially on the defensive end, which is so much of his value. So, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how they put their roster together, what happens with Boogie Cousins as well, um, and, you know, how, how that all pieces together because, you know, they can't just go star hunting anymore um, with the team that they currently have, and I'm just not sure that you know, failing that, that they're going to be able to put together a team, especially now that they're competing for cheaper veterans with, you know, the likes of LeBron and of the of Sixers and the Bucks and the Raptors and the Clippers. And, you know, all these teams are going to be angling for the Beverly's and the Reddicks and those types. And there's just so old. It's a game of musical chairs. There's only so many to go around. So um, I think we're going to, we're in for a, a very interesting off season with respect to the Warriors. 
I would agree, and it sounds like Clay's going to probably get that max deal, and he's not going to be available for a large percentage of the season. So, yes, definitely something to keep an eye on. And there's no yep. guarantee that, that Clay or Kevin Durant come back and they're fully you know, the same player that they were. We, we saw Boogie Cousins this year coming off of an Achilles injury. He just was not the same player. You know, people that have come back from ACL injuries take time to get back to that same status that they were at. I and mean, look at Derrick Rose's career and many others. So uh, we'll definitely be talking a lot more about what free agency has in store. But uh, Anshu, I think we are, are, have, have definitely talked enough with the rumor mill in the NBA. Let's get to, get to some oh, by the ways. Uh, why don't you start us off? So today in Packers Nation, there was a lot of consternation over a tweet or an Instagram post from one Brett Lorenzo Favre. Favre goes on and and, uh, puts out an Instagram post of him winning a a Lombardi and basically saying, um, you know, once a champion, always a champion. I'm coming back to the NFL. Stay tuned for this news. Um, And I've never seen Packers Twitter go absolutely berserk ever like this um but obviously i assume he just got hacked or whatever it was just hilarious for just those brief fleeting moments to imagine like a 48 year old brett Favre <laughs> rolling out there as aaron Rodgers' backup in just his be, wranglers it would just be in his wranglers and like sleeveless i, I mean copper, i just copper I loved fit. it so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen. So, I mean, if, sure. if he actually had anything to do with it, you've you've never seen somebody try to stay relevant as much as Brett Favre. I know he's you know going to go down no. in the history of Packers lore like no one else, other than maybe your boy Aaron Rodgers. But it's just crazy that that this this comes out, regardless of whether or not it was him and he had anything to do with it or he got hacked. It's still absurd. It's it's absolutely insane. I agree. And I mean, it's funny. We didn't know each other before. So that gives a little look into everyone else uh, of our background together. But, you know, Brett Favre was like my absolute favorite player of all time. I just can't imagine what your reaction to all his BS over the years was. And mine obviously was just pure anxiety and stress and hatred after a while, which has now come full circle. But I just... He was the worst and the best all at the same time. So it was just great to see Packers Twitter reignited over that this, this afternoon. I think that's fair. All right, mine's going to be a quick one. I, I don't know if, Anchi, you had a chance to see this Colorado-San uh, Diego series. It was a four-game series. The two teams combined for something crazy like 84 runs. It ended with Matt Strom, the pitcher for the San Diego Padres, being or walking in a run to win the game against Colorado. Uh, he was ejected from this game. It, it sounded like, I guess, he, he came out and said that he was yelling at his teammate, uh, which the umpire thought he was yelling at the umpire. He gets ejected. Uh, Manny Machado was ejected in this game, and he's now appealing a suspension. Uh, the, the umpire, I guess, said that he uh, made contact with him, and Manny Machado is now saying that he didn't. So not only was the series insane just from a runs put on the board standpoint and the way that the, the, the lead changes that took place in the series and everything else, but now all of the suspensions and, and just the crazy stories that have come from this series, I just thought that they was it was extremely interesting and, and kind of a funny thing to watch from afar as, as being a fan of neither team. For sure. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. Uh, we would be in a lot of trouble if we if we were penalized for yelling at our teammates in intramural basketball, I think. So I'm glad that we don't have that. Yeah, I mean, I've been penalized for plenty else, but uh, that, that I think that's going to take us home. Anshu, did you have anything you wanted to add? 
No, no, sir. Looking forward to this weekend with you, though, again, buddy. Another big weekend. Our buddy Brad is getting hitched, uh, so we'll be we'll be in Michigan for that. But uh, we'll we'll be talking to you guys again next week in reaction to the NBA draft and everything else that's taking place with free agency and so on and so forth. The rumor mill is active, that's for sure. On Chukana, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been the Leftovers. We will see you guys next week.